We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible Podcast, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media. We're partnered with 440 Sports, and we are here today to talk the 10 most likely options for the Titans at pick 26. I'm Justin Graver. Joining me for this, as always, Justin Mello. How you doing today? Happy Easter. Happy Easter to you. Happy Easter to all our listeners. Uh, I'm excited. This is a concept we did, a, I think, a year ago for the first time, right? We did the top 10 most likely options. We really enjoyed recording that as an episode, and Caleb Farley was on that list, of course. And I'm assuming that on this year's list, we will have the Titans 26th overall selection on it once again. And I'm excited to run through this list with you. It's a really fun episode for us to record. Caleb Farley was the first player we talked about last year when we did this. He was our number one most likely option, and we nailed it. So let's see if we can do that again this year. I might be pushing our luck trying to do that two yeah, years much, in a row. Much more difficult this year, in my oh, opinion. Oh, it really is. I think that just looking at how the board's going to fall beyond the top 10, I feel like last year the top 10 picks were kind of locked in, and this year it really could be anyone's guess what happens. But before we get to our draft talk today, We're going to cover just a little bit of news today, recording this Monday, April 18th. Obviously, this pod comes out on Tuesday, but recording on Monday, the Titans opened their offseason workouts, voluntary workouts today on Monday. It's a two-week program where they are limited on the field to only doing conditioning activities, no football, no team activities. They can work out and spend up to four hours a day, I think, at the facility. So basically, they're just working out together now, um, as opposed to working out alone, which they've been doing for for months, of course, since the season ended. And there were a couple people notably absent from the Titans workouts. Now, a lot of people were absent, actually. Derrick Henry wasn't there. He's not one of the notable ones we're talking about today, because... Titans fans are going crazy over the fact that Ryan Tannehill did not show up at the voluntary to start the voluntary workout program. Like I said, there's no on-field stuff they can do. They asked Austin Hooper about this at a press conference today. They were like asking about building chemistry with his new quarterback. And he said, well, Ryan's enjoying time with his family. And when he gets here, we'll work on that. It's like, they're not going to be throwing on the field regardless. There's, there's no chemistry to build right now. There's purely as Buck Rising put it in an article Purely bad optics. Do you have any take on this Ryan Tannehill not showing up to workouts thing? No. um, They're not throwing the ball, like you said, right? (laughs) Like, I mean, he's played in the same offense for years. It'll be the second straight year with Todd Downing, which, you know, again, Downing was already on staff previously, so it's not like he's still getting to know his offensive coordinator. Same head coach, same offense, same quarterback's coach. Same number one receiver, same number one running back, who, I mean, they aren't there either, and we'll get to that, but uh, I, 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 I don't think it's a big deal, no. I, I don't yeah. think they're losing anything right now by Ryan Tannehill not being there. Exactly how I feel. Now, I agree it's, like, somewhat bad optics, and there's, like, he could build some more goodwill with Titans fans just by showing up here, but ultimately, goodwill doesn't win football games, and it's really pretty much irrelevant and, and, to how the season and, goes. And sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Goodwill is not going to really change 
John Robinson and Mike Vrabel's opinion of him, right? That's the really what matters. And Marcus Mariota was a hell of a guy, right? Probably built up a ton of goodwill throughout the years. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't think they're the John Robinson and Mike Vrabel are sitting there going, well, Ryan didn't show up to offseason voluntary workouts. Should we draft a quarterback now? Like, that's not right. the conversation. Yeah, that's like it's, it's not going to factor into their really the big picture of their overall evaluation of their quarterback. And as we talk about players who didn't show up to offseason workouts, Titans have a big one, just in the sense that this seems to be more than just not showing up to workouts yet. Adam Schefter tweeted this morning, Monday morning, with A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel drafted in the second round and Terry McLaurin in the third, each player received a four-year contract. Now each player has one year left on his original rookie deal in a wide receiver market that has dramatically shifted and also said second round picks that include wide receiver Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, and Terry McLaurin, which is a slight typo, but not a big deal, are not expected to participate in their team's on-field off-season programs because they want new contracts at a time this off-season when wide receiver deals have exploded per league sources. Now, A.J. Brown himself has since gotten some hate mail, I guess, uh, on Twitter from Titans fans. He tweeted, I'm a diva and a bad teammate all of a sudden. LOL, okay. Do what you have to do then, and so will I. So obviously Titans fans are letting A.J. Brown hear it for wanting a new contract, which is pretty ridiculous, Titans fans. Like, what are we doing here? Let's I mean, just let's, let the man negotiate. Let's also pump the brakes, because I doubt it was that many people. I mean, I personally haven't seen anything, right? But, but you <laughs> know, like, A.J.'s A.J., right? If he got three of those responses, he's going to tweet about it. He'll, uh, he's probably deleted the tweet already, the one that you're talking about, or he will delete it soon. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's it, it, it's a business at the end of the day, and truthfully, it's it's a little tough to blame them, right? When, you know, Devon, like, Adam Schefter's tweet is fairly accurate. The market has completely flipped on its head, right? Like when Devontae Adams is getting five years, $141 million, and Christian Kirk is getting four years, I think $72 million it was, up to 84 with certain incentives. And, uh, and there was one more. I mean, Tyreek Hill getting what he got in Miami, I think he actually bested Devontae Adams' deal either on a perennial basis or in new money. Like the market is insane, right? Like it is, and – and those four guys, you know, Debo included, McLaurin, uh, DK, Brown, all of them, like, A.J. Brown's going to make $3.9 million this year, right? Like, in, 2020, <laughs> in 2022, like, it's a lot of money. Don't get, don't get me wrong to the average Joe, but it's, what is it, five, you know, I'm not five times less than what he probably should be making and will make on his next contract, six times less? Six like, times less, seven yeah, times less. Yeah, he's going to get 20 to $23 million annually on this next deal, so – it's not shocking. It's it's part of the business. You can be a little disappointed if you want to be, but uh, it is what it is. And, uh, you shouldn't have any concerns that the deal's not going to get done, right? I think all signs point to that. It, it will get done. Look, is it possible this thing still turns ugly? You can never say never. I can't believe the Kansas City Chiefs traded away Tyreek Hill. No one is untradeable, right? Like no one is immovable. Like, it, it ha- things, things turn ugly. It happens. Uh, never say never in any sport, in life period almost, death and taxes, right? The only two things you're guaranteed. But um, no, I have, I have a hard, very hard time, you know, seeing that happen where, where it turns ugly and, and A.J. Brown's no longer a tight. Like this thing will get done in July, just like it did with Taylor Lewan, Derrick Henry, and uh, I'm missing one, Kevin, Kevin Byard. Yeah, all three got done in July, right on the cusp of training camp. Um, I expect the same thing. So expect him to stay away until then. You know, he'll miss every portion of it up until then. But uh, I think that's probably when Tennessee gets this deal done. 
Yeah, I think you you nailed it there. He it, this is going to drag on until training camp starts, and either yeah. but right before or a few days after training camp starts, AJ will sign his new contract, and this will all be long forgotten. So to until me, until then, until yeah. then, Jets fans will keep making the uniform swaps on Twitter, though. And Cardinals reporters are now getting in on it, tweeting that if AJ Browns were to become available somehow, the Cardinals should go after him. Like, yeah, no shit. Every team should go after every good player that suddenly becomes available that <laughs> isn't expected to. So AJ Brown City would have interest. How about Tampa yeah. Bay? <laughs> AJ Brown did remove Tennessee from his Twitter bio, which we are now supposed to freak out about. But again, I'm not freaking out at all. This is a process that's going to take time and eventually he'll sign. And like, I don't like dwelling on this kind of story because it's really just like a waiting game until the story actually happens. The story is developing. We are going to move on from it. I will say, I will say that I do hate when players do that, remove it from the bio. It just comes off as super childish and immature to me. I mean, it just like, what does it achieve? You know what I mean? Like, again, I'm not, it's not freaking out over it, but it just seems silly. It's just a thing that players do now. Debo Samuel did it a, a last week or a couple of weeks ago. And also getting silly. death, getting death threats on his Instagram, like NFL I mean, fans ridiculous. around the world, chill out, stop hating your favorite players for wanting to make money. Like it's ridiculous. Anyway, let's move on. If you're, Curious about more content. A lot of stuff came out on the Titans website, Titans YouTube page. They were interviewing guys. Elijah Molden had some cool things to say. So go check that out if you're into it. But right now, it's Mostly not offseason workout. Mostly a whole lot workout. of nothing. And that's why we're going to move on. Exactly. It's not offseason workout time. It's draft time. So we're going to get into our draft stuff. Talking today, like I said at the beginning, top 10 most likely options that the Titans will look at in the first round. This obviously assumes that they pick in the first round. But I think this conversation kind of extends to who they select with their first selection of yeah. the 2022 draft, which could be like pick 34 or something if they trade back somehow, which honestly I don't anticipate because it doesn't seem like that ever really materializes. And we talk about it every single year, how the best thing the Titans could do from this spot is trade back and like they never trade back. So let's just talk about them picking at 26. I think a trade up is extremely unlikely. Some other Titans fans disagree, thinking trading up for a quarterback is very much in play. I'm out, out on Mike? that boat. You call out Mike? Mike Herndon is <laughs> very convinced the Titans could draft a quarterback and that trading up is not out of the realm of possibility. I don't think that that is in the realm of possibility. I think they are not going to trade up. I think they're going to stick and pick at 26, and I don't think it'll be a quarterback. That said, we do have a couple quarterbacks, actually three quarterbacks, on our list here, <laughs> but we're going to start below them with our what I have as what we have, I guess, together as our 10th most likely selection, offensive tackle, Trevor Penning, who is taking a visit, a top 30 visit to Nashville to meet with the Titans. The reason he's number 10 on this list isn't because of need or likelihood that they would pick him if he's on the board. It's because we don't think Trevor Penning is going to fall to 26. Yeah, I agree. I had a tough time where where we would place him on this list. Uh, I do think 10 probably makes some sense because of what you just said. I have a really hard time thinking he makes it to 26. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a few reasons why. Um, look, the top two perceived offensive tackles in this class, you know, Evan Neal and, and Nicky Iquanu from NC State, they're not getting past sixth overall. And I'm saying that for both of them. Both of those guys are going to end up in two of three places, New York Jets at four, 
I believe the New York Giants are at five and Carolina at six. Those three teams are going to, two of them are going to take tackles, in my opinion, with those picks. That's Or that's just my opinion, but I, I really see that coming to fruition. That's what I'll, I would do in a mock draft. Um, so if those two guys are off the board of the top six picks, which they should be, what are the chances the third or fourth best offensive tackles making it to 26 in a league where protecting the quarterback and protecting the blind side is so important, right? After those two, you got Charles Cross and Trevor Penning. Those are your next two tackles that are going to get drafted unless there's, there's an absolute shocking development, which I don't, I don't see happening, right? Where you get a uh, Bernard Raymond uh, or a Daniel Falele co- coming off the board much earlier than anybody expects. No, it's going to be Trevor Penning and Charles Cross. Probably be Cross first, but Cross, heck, Cross could go 10, 11, 12 overall. So even then, you're talking about Penning getting the 26. I don't see it. I think the Titans are going to really like him. They're bringing him in for a top 30. They're doing their due diligence. I think they're very interested in him. I talked about him when we went through the offensive line episode. He's a guy that really, uh, you know, captures what they like on the offensive line. He's tough as nails. He's hard-nosed. He's physical. He's a finisher. He plays through the whistle. Riled up a lot of feathers at the senior bowl for his attitude, right? He was attacking guys after the whistle. Almost started a couple fist fights out there in Mobile, uh, in Mobile, Alabama. So they're going to love him. Mike Vrabel's going to love him. John Robinson's going to love him. He's a plug-and-play guy at right tackle right if they do like him and want to sorry if they wanted to draft a right tackle again that's assuming dylan Raiders isn't a right tackle right uh so they would love trevor penning in my opinion he fits their profile he fits what they look for he's super athletic he could play in that scheme right he's an outside zone guy all day long in my opinion but i don't think he gets there yeah i agree and there are a couple other tackles that we're not even gonna mention as on our list of top tens if the titans did go tackle at 26 and it's not penning, I think it would be considered a reach. However, John Robinson has reached for a right tackle at the back half, back end of the first round before. Obviously, it didn't work out at all. But you have guys like Abraham Lucas. You mentioned Bernard Raymond. There's also Tyler Smith. So there are a handful of other tackle options, but I just, they're not on our list. And we'll get into the guys who are on the list in a second. But do you have anything to say about those guys, maybe as honorable mentions here for this? Yeah, I mean, I've I've talked about Tyler Smith because he didn't make our list. I think he's more of a guard than a tackle personally. I I think a lot of it, uh, a lot of the tape indicates he should kick inside. I I realize he's got the length and some of the measurables that that can play tackle, but I do think his play style, you know, know, first step question marks and whatnot are are best suited inside and where his physicality can really shine, right? He's a trench player, in my opinion. If you've watched him on tape, you see that he's he's an excellent run blocker and he really uh, sets the toe, is a tone setter that really hangs his hat on physicality and, and winning the battle inside the trenches. So I think he's a guard at the next level. That would be a reach. So would uh, Bernard Raymond or Daniel Falele, right? I think those two tackles might come off the board in the second round. I, I thought I liked Abe Lucas out of Washington State until people started putting him in the first round because that I did not understand. I like Abe Lucas as a maybe a third-round pick. Um, you know, if a team wants to grab him in the second, I understand tackles are very valuable. You, sometimes you got to reach for them. But in the first round, that, that, that conversation really blew me away. And look, if you go through all the mock drafts over the last seven months, you probably find 113 players that have been mocked in the first round, right? Like that's just the nature of the beast. That's the nature of mock drafts. But seeing a Lucas in there, a little bit surprising to me, right? I I love the player from an athletic standpoint. I have questions about play strength, right? There There are things there that you worry about that he might get run over in the NFL, right? Can he handle that bull rush? Can he handle that power on the outside? 
I don't think this is a first round player. And I would be fairly shocked if the Titans considered him as such. Yeah. So let's move on now to our number ninth most likely guy. This is going to be a position that I think is much talked about. And another guy who I would have way up the list if he makes it to 26. I'm starting to think that he won't. And that is Ohio State's Chris Olave. And before we go any further on him, this is assuming Jamison Williams, Garrett Wilson, Drake London are all off the board, which would mean that the fourth best quote-unquote receiver in Chris Olave falls to 26. Now, we've seen plenty of draft years where the guys that we thought were the consensus top four, top five, whatever, someone else sneaks into that group, and the, the order that the wide receivers are drafted rarely pans out to be that expected order that we've been talking about for all of draft season. Sky Moore or Jahan Dotson or someone random could jump Olave or or any of these receivers really, and, and put, put themselves in the top 20 of the draft. But I feel like Chris Olave is not going to make it to 26. However, if he did, he would be such a perfect fit in this Titans offense, not as the X receiver that's that's uh, your go-to number one receiver guy because you have that in A.J. Brown, and not even really as your Z receiver because you have that in Robert Woods, but as a guy that can play both of those positions, can play out of the slot, Runs routes incredibly well, gets open and catches the ball, like John Robinson always talks about. He's the best route runner, I think, in this class, and he would be a perfect fit to be able to contribute early. But I just don't know that he makes it to 26, and that's why I have him as our ninth most likely option. I don't know what to make of of when these receivers are going to get drafted anymore, to be honest. I think it's very fairly confusing and unpredictable. For that, I, I wonder if maybe we should have him slightly higher than ninth. Um, it, it's really tough. I, uh, Peter King's mailbag, uh, I, th- I don't know if it was on Sunday or Monday when it dropped, but it had an interesting tidbit in there from a general manager that said he wouldn't be shocked if not a single receiver goes in the top 10. I, I don't think that's totally outside the realm of possibility, right? Really depends on what the Falcons do at eight, uh, for example. And there are a couple other teams in there, but those teams can go. There's a lot of edge players, I think, that are going. You might get four edge guys in the top 10. You might get yeah. three offensive tackles, right? That's seven right there. You might get one or two, three quarterbacks. That would, that would, there's your 10. You might get, you're going to get a DB or two, right? With Kyle Hamilton or, or Derek Stingley or, or Sauce Gardner, like, it's very possible that no receiver goes in the top 10 of this class. Frankly, it actually wouldn't surprise me at all if they don't. I'm almost I, trending in that direction where I expect it to happen. I would say that about the top nine, but I think the New York Jets have shown us that they want to add a receiver and they will spend capital to do so, whether that's draft picks in a trade for Tyreek Hill or if that's money in a potential contract, again, for Tyreek Hill. And they've candidate. been linked They've been linked to Cooper earlier in the process, Tyreek Hill. They've been linked to all the receivers. Amari, yeah, yeah Amari. So all the receivers that have been available. I think New York is showing us they are not afraid to spend big to get a wide receiver. So I actually would say not surprised at all if nobody goes in the top nine. But at <laughs> that 10th pick, I do think we're going to see the Jets take a receiver. I- it's very possible. Don't get me wrong. It's very, very possible. But I think that the interesting thing about the Jets is they can take that pick in a few directions, both of those, their top 10 picks in a few directions because they need a corner. The, the corner room is, is pretty rough. And with the defensive-minded uh, head coach that they have there, uh, they, they had a bunch of no-name corners last year. They need a corner. I wouldn't be shocked if they go with an edge rusher at some point with Carl Lawson coming off a serious injury. And I think general manager Joe Douglas is very serious about continuing to invest in the offensive line. Uh, potentially so that wouldn't totally especially with the uh, who's the Louisville kid that took a couple years ago Makai Beckton hasn't really lived up and has dealt with several injuries throughout his his early professional career so there are several directions they can take these picks in 
So the Jets are definitely, you're, they're definitely a possibility. You're right. They went hard after Tyreek Hill. You've seen the AJ Brown uniform swaps I've been joking about. Um, it's very possible for sure. But with Olave, what, I, what I'm saying about the classes, I mean, Chris Olave could be first off the board at 9, 12, 13, whatever. It could be Garrett Wilson. It could be Jamison Williams. Like, it's a very unpredictable class, right? The only thing I feel comfortable saying is those three will probably be the first three off the board in some order. I think they all go before Traylon Burks or, or George Pickens, uh, for example. Drake London. Moore. I'm sorry? Drake London could be one of those three too, though. Jeez, I'm geez, just drew a blank. Absolutely. Drake London could be the first one off the board. Yeah. Sorry. But like, yeah, like it, it, it's an unpredictable class, man. It's a very unpredictable class. Getting back on topic, I really like Olave for the same reasons you said. I think he's the best route runner in the class. I, I would call him a, tre- a true technician. Ran a 4.39 in the 40. Checked a lot of boxes. Six, six foot 187. Uh, you know, what, what did he have this past year? 13 touchdowns. I think set the single season record for Ohio State, which is so impressive when you look at their history. Uh, terrific player. I'm, I'm a big, big fan. Would love to see him in this offense. Yes, me too. He's probably my favorite player in the draft, but I'm starting to think that he won't make it to 26. But if he does, I think he's the pick. Let's talk about our next three guys, number eight, number seven, number six, grouped together because I kind of mentioned this at the beginning. We have three quarterbacks on our list here, and this isn't to say that I think it's super likely the Titans stay a quarterback. I actually think it's super unlikely. But if we're following the tea leaves, if we're trying to connect these dots – the Titans have met with a lot of guys. They brought guys in for visits. They brought Malik Willis in for a top 30 visit, which is kind of crazy to think about because we're expecting him to be a top 10, at least top 20 pick. So he's not on the list. But the three guys I have next, number eight, Sam Howell, number seven, Desmond Ritter, number six, Matt Corral. Look, we saw this come out today that the odds for quarterbacks to be drafted in the first round, Sam Howell and Matt Corral both went from plus 100 odds to minus 100, plus something to minus 100-something, which means they are now favored to be first-round picks. You would expect that to be probably towards the back half of the draft. I would think that the Titans are in play just because they've been so connected to quarterback visits and meetings. I still contend I don't think the Titans will draft a quarterback. But if they do, it would have to be someone who makes it to 26, I think, because I don't think they're trading up. And it would have to be someone that they like best. So I'm not going to try to project who they like best. I just put all three guys on the list and say it could be any of Howell, Ritter, or Corral. What do you think of that? Yeah, it's, I like that we're grouping them, by the way. I don't, I don't think we require individual discussions uh, so much on these three players. Um, look, they've been at every pro day. Uh, you can research it yourself. Just Google uh, how, you know, Sam Howell, Titans Pro Day, Malik Willis, Titans Pro Day. They, they've been at all of them, right? So that does tell you a little something. They're doing their homework. They're doing their due diligence. Brought in a couple of guys for top 30 visits, as you mentioned, with Malik Willis. Uh, I believe they're even at Pro Days for Bailey Zappi out of Western Kentucky, Akil Glass out of Alabama A&M. They've done their homework, absolutely. Um, I don't think they can trade up you, when you already don't have a second-round pick in this class as a result of the Julio Jones trade. I don't think you can trade up. Um, forecasting fits. I'll be honest. I think all three of them, you know, I'll say all three, but I, I'll really narrow it down to Ritter and Howell. I think you can make the case that they're both decent fits, um, you know, for their offense. Look, you know, the story on Ritter, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. You've, you've heard it to death, compare himself to Ryan Tannehill played at Cincinnati with head coach, Luke Fickle, who happens to be Mike Vrabel's best friend was Vrabel's best man at the wedding at Vrabel's wedding. That is, you've heard all of that. 
Uh, I think he's a decent fit from their offense from, from the perspective that he's an athlete, uh, can get out of the pocket, use his legs, much like Tannehill does, can, can use him in the red zone uh, to run the ball. Uh, you know, is a highly experienced four-year quarterback that understands that system. Uh, ran a relatively pro-style system, in my opinion. I thought Cincinnati had a lot of pro-style passing concepts and, and concepts in general. So you can make the argument from a fit perspective there. I think Sam Howell is a great athlete as well. I think he's an underrated athlete. Maybe we haven't talked about enough throughout the process. He does terrific work with his legs. He was in a tough situation this past year, right? With with those offensive linemen, receivers, and running backs they had at North Carolina. He's a gamer. He's a tough kid. So I think you can make an argument that Sam Howell fits their offense to a certain extent. Hell, Matt Corral is a terrific athlete, right? If you really wanted to reach, probably make that argument for Matt Corral. Matt Corral is attending the draft right on Thursday night in Vegas, right? Sometimes it suggests that he might be a first round pick or he thinks he has a chance to be a first round pick. Obviously you start looking at that back end of the first round where the Titans have their pick and you can start connecting some dots if you really want to. Um, Ultimately, I agree with you that I don't think the Titans are going to select the quarterback, not just because of our personal evaluations where you and I aren't very high on this quarterback class. Um, I, I would be surprised if they were that high on but we don't, you know, we don't, let's be honest, we don't really know how they evaluate quarterbacks because Todd Robinson's never drafted one highly. He's 0 for 2 on day three picks, right, with, with Cole McDonald and Luke Falk, but you'd be hard-pressed to hold that against them, right, being, being those guys were taken where they were. Ryan Tannehill, let's be honest, I, I, I give him credit for Tannehill, but I don't know anyone envisioned it working out initially as well as it did, right? So even that's tough to say when you took a gamble on a guy where you only had to give up, what, a fourth-round pick, and the team you got him from paid a ton of his salary in that first year, right? So that wasn't – to me, that doesn't qualify as a huge decision when you acquired him because you were – it was very low-risk move, right, when you got him. So – we don't know how they evaluate quarterbacks. We know they're doing their due diligence. We know Ryan Tannehill didn't have the greatest season in 2020, 2021. And we know that they may potentially be moving on from him at some point, probably obviously, you know, not this season, but potentially after next, right. We know they can, you know, easily get out of that contract following this coming year. So there's reason that we put these three guys on the list. We're not going to ignore it just because we don't individually like the players. And I can I just pat ourselves on the back and say, I like that about us because we're, we're not high on these players, uh, you know, individually, our scouting reports, uh, the three that we put on this list, I, I've got day two grades on um, essentially all of them. So that that's just my evaluation and maybe even an early day three on Corral. Um, yeah, that's where oh, I'm sorry, at. an early third rounder on Corral, I should say. I'm early day three on Desmond Ritter, but hey, I seem to be fairly alone on this take. Let's get to our top five now. And number five, we don't have to spend a lot of time on because I made a fairly long-ish case for him to possibly be the pick at 26 on last week's episode. So if you missed that, go check it out towards the end. My number five guy is tight end Trey McBride, who, like, like it or not, it's a possibility is what I'll say because I don't think it's a great use of resources and there's a lot of tight ends in this class and like all the things about taking a tight end at 26 overall and yada, yada, yada. That said, it's in the cards. The Titans have met with him. They brought him in for a top 30 visit. They clearly need a tight end because they have no tight ends on the roster beyond 2022. They... This guy blocks really well. He has the fourth most single season receiving yards for a tight end dating back to at least 2004, which is as far back as ESPN's database goes. So like a very productive player who plays a position of need, 
John Robinson wanted to draft Rob Gronkowski at 27th overall back in 2010. They ended up waiting until their first second round pick was like 42 overall or something like that. So my point is it could happen. It may not be what everyone wants to happen, but I think that he has a much higher chance of being on the board than Penning or Alave. And I think personally, the Titans are going to draft a tight end before they draft a quarterback. So I've got Trey McBride at number five. I do slightly disagree with you on the placement of him on this list especially and the positioning of it, which I like because we never disagree. So I think it's good for us to disagree once in a while. Um, I like the player. You're right. They brought him in for a visit. They've met with him a bunch of times. Pretty sure they've had a Zoom. They met at the Combine. They definitely like the player. He fits their profiles. A guy that can block in line, can flex out wide and impact the game as a pass catcher. Um, the reason I disagree with you is that I, I do think a tight end at 26 would shock me. It would shock me. Uh, he's my tight end one on my board. Uh, but I think even then, I think I have him at like 48th overall, roughly, on my overall uh, top 150, top 175, whatever I, I may or may not decide to put out. Still trying to find the time to do that. But he is 48 on my board. Um, like the player. Think they will like the player. Don't think they'll take a tight end in the first round. Think there will be ones to be had later, in the third or fourth round even. Yeah, and and the projections on where the first tight end goes in this draft are all over the place, but it could be second, it could be third round. I think this is a scenario where all the receivers they like and all the offensive linemen they like are simply off the board and they can't trade back, and John Robinson says, just give me a good player and takes this, this one. So I don't think it's necessarily that likely, but I have him fifth most likely. So let's get in now to our top four, and again, I'm going to do a thing where we group them together. Grouping together number four and number three because I think this is based on who falls to 26 and simply who they end up liking more. I have Jahan Dotson as four. Traylon Burks as three. I don't necessarily think that Jahan Dotson should be a first-round pick, but I think based on everything we're hearing from people who are connected, Daniel Jeremiah is convinced seven receivers will go in the first round, that this is going to be a position that is pushed up boards because of what we talked about at the beginning of the episode with the wide receiver market going crazy. The teams want to lock in five years with a young stud. The wide receiver hit rate has been insane the last few years. We talked about that last week too. So I think it's possible Dotson sneaks into the first round. And then Traylon Burks, if he falls to 20, this is more of a if he falls situation, I think is an incredible fit in the Titans offense, can play everywhere, is the kind of physical receiver they love. So whether, if they're both on the board at 26, I have Traylon Burks as third most likely because I think he's way more likely, but if he doesn't make it there, I could see them reaching for a Jahan Dotson. What are your thoughts on these two receivers? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about Dotson, a guy that had 91 catches a year ago, almost 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns, right? This guy that had a huge, huge season out of a big program like Penn State. Look, uh, I'm going to summarize him quickly because you can use all the buzzwords, right? He's twitchy. He's an elite athlete. I think he's got great speed, uh, dynamic with the ball in his hands, electric, makes things happen, makes, makes things happen with the ball in his hands after the catch. Terrific run after catch ability. You can design touches for him, manufactured screens, all of that nature. I do like the player. Um, not a contested catch guy, not a guy that thrives in traffic, 5'10", 178. I got to interview him for the draft network a few weeks ago, and he said the truth. He told me, look, and he's a very good route runner. I think he's a very good route runner. Underrated, in my opinion. It's not a, a one-trick pony where you have to design touches for him. He's a good, crafty route runner. I said, look, he told me, look, I got to be a great route runner because I know I, I don't have terrific size, right? The easiest thing for me is to get open and catch the football. And I think he does it at a high level. I, I really do. I think he's very 
uh, a very good route runner. Very, very good. Diverse release package, knows how to get away from corners. And, and, he, can, and he can beat press coverage. Might have more difficulties with it in the league. Corners get bigger, faster, stronger, of course. But um, I, I like the player. I wonder if the 40-yard dash holds him back a little bit, though. Running that 4-4-3 at that size, it, it's a good time in theory, but would have nice to see him hit low four threes, right? When you're 5'10, 178. So wonder great if that hands him. though. Maybe the yes. best hands of any guy. Terrific in the draft. And a really good route runner. I'll say it again. Traylon Burks, I like that you have him number three because I agree with you. We I mean, I'm not gonna talk too in-depthly because we did it on the wide receiver episode just a couple weeks ago. You love the fit in the offense, how physical of a route runner he is, how he creates for himself after the catch. Had the most explosive plays of any receiver in the SEC this past season, right? I believe he had more than 20 plays that went for 20 or more yards this past year. So don't be fooled by the, the slightly disappointing 40 time. This is a guy that understands how to make things happen with the ball in his hands, right? And he's a great contested catch winner too. So if he struggles from, to separate, he can go up in traffic and get it. He can go up over on the back of a cornerback and get it and high point the ball. So I'm a big fan of his fit in this offense. I think they'll really like him. If he's there at 26, uh, you know, there's a good chance Olave isn't. Good chance, like you said, Trevor Penning isn't. Uh, they're not going quarterback. I don't think they're going tight end. Um, very, very good chance that Traylon Burks could be the pick. I agree. And if they go a different direction, if they don't go wide receiver, we're going to talk about two slash two and a half to three more wide receivers here as honorable mentions in just a second. If they go offensive line like we've all expected, if Dylan Radens is a right tackle like we hope, there are two guys that I'm again grouping together because it comes down to fit and who they just simply like better as an organization, and it comes down to them still being on the board. Number two, I have Kenyon Green. Number one, I have Zion Johnson as our most likely player for the Titans to pick at 26. We talked about them a bit a couple weeks ago, but further thoughts on these two guys. Yeah, I think Kenyon Green is, is, is a great player and a great prospect. And I would be kind of surprised if he makes it to 26, truthfully. But then again, the combine testing uh, didn't do him many favors, right? It was, it was pretty disappointing. So it's, it's a, watch out for the Dallas Cowboys on him. I, I think the Dallas Cowboys are really going to like him um, if they go with a lineman. But I do like I do like Kenyon Green. Um, I, I do agree with his placement on this list. I do think he's a top 10 guy. That's potential. But I will say I'm in full agreement with Zion Johnson, having him number one on this list. I think the Titans are going to love him. Obviously, they'll know him well at Boston College, a teammate of Tyler Vrabel's. Uh, is Frank Periano still on staff? He was strength and conditioning coach that came over from Boston College. They obviously know the, they know the program so well. Drafted Harold Landry from there, of course, now several years ago. But they really do know the program so well. Vrabel's got terrific ties to that area and that program. Zion Johnson's a guy that worked his ass off to get where he is, man. Um, what I think was like 220 pounds out of high school, wasn't highly recruited, shows up at Davidson, a small school, Kills it over there, makes his way to Boston College, bets on himself, don't believe he had a scholarship there, uh, and, and, and is now going to be a first-round pick. Has put on a ton of weight, uh, good weight, that is, as, and, and is playing up, um, I don't even want to call it potential because he was so slept on, but the he, an ascending talent that is through the roof. I really love the player. I think he's an excellent talent. I think he's a first-round pick. I think he's a plug-and-play guy at left guard. And he was playing left tackle for them over there at Boston College, and he did it at such a high level at a position that he's not going to play in the pros, in my opinion. So I absolutely love Zion Johnson. I think he's a bona fide first-round pick all day long. Didn't they have him play center at the Senior Bowl? And he was terrific at center out there. So I, I really like the player a lot, man. Love the player. 
And it's such a John Robinson type of guy that we've seen since J-Rob yes. came in and started drafting in 2016. This type of like hardworking, not that highly recruited, had to had to prove himself and bust his ass to get where he is. And that's just exactly the type of player to trench pick. We know J-Rob loves investing in the trenches. And I, I mean, there's a reason he's number one on our list. I could totally, totally see it happening. And if it if it does, we will definitely be coming back to this soundbite in a couple weeks. Let's talk really quickly about a couple other receivers because we mentioned that a lot of guys could sneak into the first round. There's three I have in mind. I think two are more likely than the uh, than the third, but the three guys are Christian Watson, George Pickens, and Sky Moore. This all kind of feels like the Elijah Moore at 22 hype to me that we experienced last year, and we saw Elijah Moore ultimately go very highly in the second round. I feel like all three of these guys are kind of in the same boat. Do you think there's a chance the Titans take one of these three guys at 26? I think the only one that I would really think about a little is George Pickens out of Georgia. I think Pickens has a chance to go in the first round. You're talking about an alpha dog at receiver, an alpha male. Every team should like <laughs> this guy dominates on the boundary, right? Goes up and gets it. He's a grown ass man at the position. I am more lukewarm on the other two. I don't think either of them uh, fit the Titans all that well. Oh, sorry. You know what? Let me break them up individually. Sky Moore, I like the player a lot. Big fan. I love this teammate a year ago, Dwayne Eskridge. And I, you know, I, I'm not a guy that scouts the helmet, but I think there are a lot of similarities between Moore and Eskridge. You know, he just like Eskridge, and, and Moore told me this uh, a few weeks ago when I, when I spoke with him. Eskridge was their offense in 2020. You know, that offense ran through him and he showcased a lot of great things, route running, dynamic ability after the catch. Um, he walked away, you know, obviously entered the NFL, was a late two, by the way. Keep that in mind. Late second round pick, Eskridge. Sky Moore replaced him, became that player for them in that offense where all of a sudden he was the focal point. He was the focal point. And he and 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 they ran that offense through him, a ton of touches. He was number number one, two, and third option, it felt like on a lot of passing downs. Um, I don't think he's a first-round pick. I don't think he'll get drafted in the first round. Christian Watson, I'll tell you this. The reason I decided to break them up last minute is I do think there's a chance he could be a first-round pick. I think there are going to be a lot of teams that like him. I'll say this. I don't even know if this is out there, but uh, you know, Christian Watson's made like a, a ton of top, top 30 visits throughout this process. I don't know if Tennessee is one of them, but a lot, a lot of teams have bringing in Christian Watson on top 30 visits, almost half the league. In fact, if not half the league, I'll tell you that right now. So there's a lot of interest in Christian Watson potentially being a first rounder. I don't think the Titans uh, will be a team that's, that's that high on him. I agree. I feel like he's going to be either the Packers Marquez Valdez Scantling replacement or the chiefs Tyreek Hill replacement yes. type of target for those i think the buccaneers will also really like him i think he's that type of player right that vertical passing game where they want you know you saw the way tom brady works with mike evans and and that crew where they want to go deep a lot right under that vertical passing offense that that bruce Arians is running with byron leftwood so i don't think the bucks will take a first round receiver but that's the type of team that will like him tampa bay kansas city uh, green bay i think you're right i think he ends up in one of those three spots while we're on the honorable mention subject Maybe our listeners will notice that of all the players we just talked about, the 10 most likely, those three receivers, the other three offensive linemen we talked about, we talked about, what, 16 players total just now. Every single one plays offense. Is there anyone on the defensive side of the ball we should talk about? Charles Davis put out his 2.0 mock draft on Monday and has the Titans taking George Karloftis. Is there 
anyone on defense that we should put in the most likely option category because i feel like there isn't but i don't know i'm curious about your thoughts i would be surprised man like if i was picking a position i don't even know which position i would pick like i don't think i would go edge i'm not going defensive tackle i'm not going safety i don't think i'm going linebacker we've obviously seen a lot of montrafts go linebacker it would probably be a corner you know if i had to pick one you know maybe they would like a trent mcduffie out of washington or a uh, an Andrew Booth out of Clemson, but ultimately, I think my answer is no. I think I would be really shocked if they went with a defender. I really would. I would too. The only thing I'll say on the edge front is Bud Dupree didn't play all that much uh, coming off the ACL. It was a very rotational until, until really towards the end of the year, and you never know how a player is going to continue to age. The Titans can get out of his contract after 2022 with relatively little dead money and a lot of cap savings. So if they were trying to get cheaper on defense, they may look at a first or third round edge or second round if they make a trade. That's a possibility to me, but I still don't expect it. I don't think that it's in our top 10 most likely. And they did bring in Jermaine Johnson for a top 30 visit, which shocked me. The kid out of FSU. I love him. He's a terrific player. I think he goes in the top 10. So yeah. uh, I saw Doug Farrar, I think it was, on Twitter today saying he wouldn't be surprised if Jermaine Johnson goes number one overall. Wow. I mean, that which, would surprise me. That would surprise but, everyone. I don't know why he said that. But. Yes, but, but Johnson <laughs> could go four, like anywhere between four and 10, in my opinion, truthfully. Like terrific, terrific player. Like everything you want at the edge position length. Speed, first step explosiveness, sets the edge in the run game. I love Jermaine Johnson. But uh, but I, to, it, I just mentioned that because it goes to show you they brought in an edge for a top 30, right? So that that's interesting. Hey, John Robinson loves drafting injured players, right? That's, what if David Ojapo out of Michigan is there at 26, right? A guy that was potentially a top 15 pick before he, before he suffered. Well, I think it was a torn Achilles. I don't think it was an ACL. I think it was an Achilles injury he unfortunately suffered at Michigan's Pro Day. So, you know what? If I'll put one player on this defensive list, I'll put David Ojabo because I do think he's a big-time prospect. I, I think you're on to something with the Bud Dupree thing. Uh, it's a lot of money tied up at edge, right? Now that you re-signed Harold Landry, going to have to pay A.J. Brown, Jeffrey Simmons at some point. Uh, you're going to have to get, you know, you're going to get out of some of these contracts at some point, right? Ryan Tannehill, Bud Dupree, Taylor Lewan, Kevin Byer, Derrick Henry. They're going to get out of some of these contracts at some point, right? Uh, two of them, I'll predict after 2022, right? At least two of them will probably not be here in 2023. So if, if Bud Dupree happens to be one of those guys, David Ojabo's there. You got a top 10 grade on Ojabo as a player pre-injury. Maybe they give it some thought. It's a big time John Robinson thing to do. We did it with Jeffrey Simmons and Caleb Farley is take your top 10 talent in the twenties because they fall, or I guess Simmons was 19th overall, but you get the point. So I think we, it's good to include him in this conversation and prepare Titans fans for the possibility, even if it's not the most likely option. One last thing before we get out of here, circling back to AJ Brown's, I'm a diva and a bad teammate. All of a sudden, LOL. Okay. Do what you have to do then. And so will I tweet. While we, were, while we were recording this podcast, Diana Rossini of ESPN quoted A.J. Brown's tweet to say, I'm told both sides are working towards an extension for A.J. Brown to remain a Titan for a long time, per sources. More below, and she posted a link to a more bit more elaborate story on that. So it looks like, as expected, things are progressing for the Titans and A.J. Brown. Any other thoughts about this before we sign off today? 
that does it. I think this is a good episode that prepared our listeners for uh, one of the Titans. If, if the player of the Titans picker is not on this list that we just ran through, including honorable mentions, it'll obviously qualify as a shocking development. And I'm not patting ourselves on the back. We mentioned a lot of players, right? But the goal was to um, uh, prepare you for all likely scenarios, all possible scenarios, really, at 26th overall. I hope you learned something uh, from this episode and took something away from it. Yes, and so do I. And next week, we will continue to look at the draft. We will go beyond the first round. Justin and I are going to do our dueling seven-round Tennessee Titans mock drafts. We're going to get way more into the tight end class because when we get to those mid-rounds, there's going to be some conversations to be had. Yeah. Do you have last year's dueling mock? I have it somewhere. We should run through that next week and compare. Who was more accurate and who had the better draft? That would be a fun... Just We'll spend five minutes on that to start, and then we'll get into this year's dueling mock. I like it. I like it. So that's what's coming to you guys next week. And then following that, we will be reacting to the Titans' complete draft class because the draft is just over a week and a half away. Thursday, the first round, obviously, and then Friday and Saturday, April 28th, 29th, and 30th is the draft in Las Vegas. I will be there. It's going to be fun. But we'll be back next week for our dueling mock drafts before that happens. That's all I got. That's all we have to this week. Not a super long episode but not that short either so you guys know what to do now it's follow justin on twitter at justin m underscore nfl i'm sure you already are i am at titans film room but that's all for this week until we meet again you guys stay safe out there and tighten up a broadway sports media production